so guys, if you don't know me, my name's Susie, and um, you know what? I've actually really been looking forward to speaking this morning, because um, something's been stirring in my heart over the last few weeks and months during the summer, and I feel like it's something for me personally, but I also feel like it's for us as a church. So we're going to be looking at what it means this morning to be naturally supernatural. And uh, if you've been around here for long, in Trent for a while, or maybe the vineyard, uh, you'll probably have a bit of an understanding of what this little phrase means, because it's one of our hallmarks here as a church. It describes who we are, as well as what we're super passionate about. Others of you might be thinking... Naturally supernatural, what is she on about? Well, hopefully I'm going to help because the definition I love is this. Naturally supernatural is doing the stuff the Bible talks about without being weird. Okay? Doing the stuff the Bible talks about without being weird because no one needs to be weird. So what is it? What's the stuff the Bible talks about? We're talking about God's demonstration of power, which Jesus commanded and commissioned his disciples to do. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, I think it's behind me. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. And what these are is they're not just sort of suggestions from Jesus. They were actually commands and the disciples go for it. And you don't have to go far in the New Testament to see an explosion of God's power. The early church, they're, they're doing this stuff. Thousands of people come to know Jesus. The sick are getting healed. The dead are getting raised. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And signs and wonders are happening all over the place. And if we fast forward 2,000 years or so to these days, we still see God move in power as we step out. And so I want to start off this morning just by telling you a few stories. And um, the first one, this happened to me quite a few years ago now. And I was back when I was a student, I don't know, 2004, something like that. And I was in a student small group. And we used to do these things where we'd go and bless the community. So we'd knock on people's doors and say, hey, uh, can we help perhaps with your garden or clean your car? And anyway, one time we were knocked on someone's door and uh, they said, no, the garden's fine. Hopefully they weren't offended. But we do have a situation out the back. Our drains are blocked. Do you unblock drains? To which I thought, um, no, Dynarod unblocked drains. Um, but anyway, my friends who I with were saying, uh, yes, well, yes, we do. So I thought, great. So off we go to B&Q, and we buy these rods. And on the end of the rod is this sort of spiky thing. And um, we get back. And what you guys need to understand is it was like the drain underneath a manhole cover. So I lifted up the manhole cover, and um, under it, I can only describe it as this. It was like chicken korma gone off, okay? It looked rank, it smelt ranked, and I dry heaved more than once. So we're there with our hands and these rods down these drains for what felt like hours, and I'm like, we're never going to unblock these drains. When I was getting a little bit fed up, and almost as a joke, I just said, well, has anyone actually prayed for these drains? So um, you know what's coming, don't you? So, so I lay my hand over, not in, over the top of the drain, and, um, and I just say uh, something like this, in the name of Jesus, drains unblock. And this is what happened. Honestly, this noise, as the drains unblocked before our eyes. Honestly, it was a crazy, crazy moment. And uh, the guy whose house it was, he, he saw it as well. And he was, he was almost as surprised as we were. And because of it, we had an opportunity to talk to him about Jesus. And um, 
and that's a funny story, right? It's a funny old story, but it's a moment in my life I'll never forget because God used the most bizarre situation to show me something of his power, to show me something of his power. The name of Jesus is just far more powerful than I can ever really get my head around. And if at his name drains can unblock then surely he has the power to heal and to restore and to bring freedom and to speak and to change lives. Amen. Amen. You're on it today. Love that. So um, just a few weeks ago, I've got another one for you. Just a few weeks ago, if you were here in the summer, um, John Bodley was speaking on the subject of healing. And during the talk, a number of us stood up to receive healing. And a number of people in that moment experienced the measure of God's healing. And uh, we've heard stories over the last few weeks. And if you were healed uh, or you felt like you had a measure of experience of healing in that moment, do let us know because we'd love to hear it. But anyway, a couple of days after that talk, I get an email. And it's from a lady in our church called Katie who's called for me to share the story. And she stood up because, long story short, she had a broken toe. And she'd broken it nine days earlier. So she stands up, and in the moment, she's like, I think God's healed me. So she has a fracture clinic appointment the next day. So she goes along to it. And she says to the... um, doctor, well, whoever she spoke to, I guess it was doctor, and she says, hey, I was prayed for at church yesterday. I think Jesus has healed my toe. Is it possible for this toe to heal in nine days? And the doctor says, um, never, in my medical, never in my medical career have I seen a broken bone heal in nine days. And so she says, well, I think you need to x-ray it again then. So they x-ray it again, and the x-ray comes back, and they look at the x-ray, and um, the doctor says, where's the, the broken toe? And she says, this is my point. So she says, <laughs> I don't know if she said that. That might be poetic license. But she said, get the other x-ray. So they get the x-rays up. One x-ray is clearly a broken bone. The other one is not. And uh, we're trying to get hold of those x-rays. There's a data protection thing that's going on there. But we're trying to get hold of it. And when we've got them, we would love to show them to you. But her email ends like this. So I said, this is to the doctor, Jesus has healed my toe. Wow. He looked shocked as I could see his face draining of colour. As I was walking out, I said to the doctor, I know where you will be going on Sunday, church. And um, so I just love it. I love that story. And I could honestly share stories with you all day, maybe about a young person who had self-harming scars who was healed at DTI, or a friend of mine that I prayed for for years and years and years, and eventually she came to know Jesus and her whole family did. Or a guy who was here in this church a few months back, a prophetic word was given off of the stage, and it was a significant moment to his journey becoming a friend of Jesus. Or Di Burrows, we'll probably tell you this story in more detail as well, but she had burning sensation in her fingers for five years. She stands up that morning, she's had no pain since. And uh, the common thread in these stories is power. It's power. It's power that brings restoration from brokenness, healing from hurting, life from death, and freedom to those trapped in addiction. And it's the same power that Paul is going on about in Ephesians. You know, if you don't know anything about him, you'll know that he wrote a whole bunch of the, of the New Testament. He has this, um, this dramatic encounter with Jesus. You can read about it in Acts 9 with the resurrected Jesus. And it literally turns his life upside down. And he goes from from persecuting the Christians to telling people about it. He moves in signs and wonders. God uses him amazingly. And then he even ends up getting persecuted for his faith. And this is what he prays when he writes to the church in Ephesus. This is good. So listen up. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, it's the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul is saying, he's saying, this same power, the power that that raised Jesus from the grave, if we're here and we're following Jesus, that same power lives inside of us, which means we have the capacity to see God move in power. We have the capacity to do the stuff the Bible talks about without being weird. And um, I reckon if I was to come around and interview you, don't worry, I'm not going to do that. Most of us in this room would say, yeah, I want to be someone who sees stories like that happen. I want to be somebody who steps out. But it might be that sometimes you feel like, oh, I miss that opportunity. I don't always take the opportunities that come, come by. And, and if, if you're here and you feel like that, then you're not alone. You know, um, the other month, my brother-in-law, he was playing cricket, and he ran, and he really seriously damaged his knee, so much so he had to have an operation, and um, it's still bad now. And um, the first thing I did, it was just instinctive. I ordered him a Sky Sports pass for the month. (laughs) What was I thinking? Like maybe Jesus wanted to intervene and miraculously heal him so that he might see the kindness of Jesus in his life. Or I can sometimes find myself getting disillusioned where I pray for people, perhaps a couple of people that don't get healed, and I think, oh, what's the point? What's the point of carrying on? And sometimes I can get a little bit cynical. And so when someone comes to me with a headache, I act like a pharmacist. You know, I'm like, do you want the paracetamols or the ibuprofen? What would you like? When instead I should be saying, why don't we try praying first? I can find myself settling for comfort. You know, giving in to sometimes to pride, past uh, failures, and I just let the opportunities pass me by. But it was as I, um, as I read this verse in Ephesians over the summer, it was like um, the, the, the words just, like they jumped off the page. They jumped at the page at me because the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives inside of me. And it stirred me with this fresh sort of passion and urgency to want to live this out, to want to be like Paul because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He understood something of God's power and he just went for it. And so for the rest of this talk, for the next three hours, um, we're going to use, that woke you up, we're going to use three little phrases to figure out how we can do it. The first one is this, God's power is in his presence. The first thing we need to understand about being naturally supernatural is that God is powerful and the power is in his presence. I love this quote from John Wimber. He says this, we don't seek God's power, we seek his presence. His power and everything else, it's always found in his presence. Or Andy Croft and Mike Pilavachi, they put it like this in their book. Our goal should be relationship with Jesus. Christianity is not complicated. It's not about rules. It's an invitation to have a relationship with God. God's power is never something he sends us from a distance. Miracles, they're not like parcels from Amazon arriving totally disconnected from the sender. The power of God, it can't be separated from the presence. If you're standing next to a fire, you'll get warm. If you jump into a pool, you'll get wet. And in the same way, if you're close to the Lord, his power will be present. The power is in the presence. And so when we seek to be close to God, the potential for the supernatural is all around us. So the goal is Jesus. 
It's always about Jesus' intimacy with him. And when we consider Paul and his life, he got it. He understood that the power is in the presence. Just think for a moment, for those of you that know more of his story, Paul's encounter with Jesus that happened in Acts was a pretty dramatic one, wasn't it? But the fruit of that encounter, it was that his love for Jesus was ignited and immediately he went to tell people about him. Acts 9 says this, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And so that experience that he had, the encounter he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus, it wasn't just an experience for experience's sake. He was pursuing God and the overflow was to tell Jesus. And uh, read Acts. I want to encourage you to read Acts again because Paul saw amazing miracles happen. The author even says this, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him, they were, they were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. That's crazy, isn't it? And uh, as a whole other sermon in, it, in its own right. But if we want to be naturally supernatural, let's let Jesus be our motivation. We don't just want the gifts. We want the giver. And Paul's pursuit of Jesus, it didn't just stop with that first encounter. You know what's interesting about that verse we read uh, in Ephesians 1? The verse just before it where he talks about the same power, he actually says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. Paul actually keeps asking. His goal is to know Jesus better. His prayer for the Ephesians is that they would know him better. Or in Philippians, he says this, I consider everything else worthless compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Paul gave everything for Jesus. He gave everything for Jesus, but it flowed out of the ministry with Jesus. It flowed out of him being with Jesus. So one foundational key to becoming increasingly tuned into the naturally supernatural is pursuing a relationship with Jesus. Pursuing, seeking him, wanting to be close to him. And it's often we find that as we push into intimacy that we encounter his power. I shared this story years ago with you, and it's always stuck with me because I was down at a conference um, down in Watford, a little bit like this, and the worship was going on and on. I don't know, it was, it was great. It was going on for ages, but it was a moment for me where I was fully in the moment with Jesus. No one was praying for me. I was just stood there, and Jesus had my attention. I felt him close. I felt him speak to me. Nothing dramatic was happening. It was just a closeness. And uh, after that moment, which went on for I don't know how long, I turned to my mate and I say to her, hey, the weirdest things happen. I think that Jesus has healed me of the fear of dogs. And um, if, if, if you don't know me, I, I used to be really, really petrified of dogs. So much so that if I go around to someone's house, I wouldn't go if they had a dog. Or if I was going out in the park, I'd be freaking out. And um, it had a hold over me. It had a hold over me. And in that moment, in that moment of intimacy, Jesus came and healed me. And so then I had to try and find dogs and think, am I actually healed or is it in my head? So I go out and find them. And, and since that moment, it's not like I'm a dog lover. It's not like I want a dog in my house. But the fear has gone. And I'll never forget that moment because in, in the presence of Jesus, his power was there. But it was an intimate moment because God knew me. Nobody had asked 
nobody asked me what I wanted prayer for. Jesus just knew that little thing, and he just wanted to show me his love and his kindness and set me free. If we want to become increasingly tuned into the supernatural, I want to ask you this. What would a step closer to Jesus look like for you? You know, for some of you, it's, it's finding out about him, perhaps coming along to the Alpha Course. Many of us, it's choosing to come into his presence, whether it's here on a Sunday, whether it's at small group, whether it's carving out time in your life to actually spend with him. And it means sometimes a sacrifice. For me, it's a sacrifice of home in a way. It means sometimes turning it off, the soap, you know, anyway. <laughs> or turning off WhatsApp or getting off Instagram, or whatever the distraction could be for you, getting it out the way. His power is in his presence. Secondly, his power is made perfect in our weakness. And if you've ever read anything about Paul, you could kind of be forgiven for thinking at first chance, first sort of look, Paul is like a biblical superman. Like he's got it all together. He's just amazing. And if anybody had a reason to have an ego, I think it was Paul, like he saw God do some amazing things. But if you read deeper into the New Testament, you'll see that Paul knew that he wasn't perfect. He knew he had to rely on God. And there's this powerful um, passage to the Corinthians, which I just want to read to you. And what's going on here is this. It's his second letter to the Corinthians. And um, Paul is defending himself. He's defending himself against these people he calls like false apostles. They've been challenging his leadership. And so Paul says, hey, here's my credentials. Here's what I've given for following Jesus. Here's some of my revelations I've received. But then he concludes his defense like this. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, I love it. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. You know, Paul was open to the church about his weaknesses. And we don't exactly know what that thorn in the flesh was because he doesn't actually say. But it's clear that the experience taught him that he had to rely on God. And in fact, in, in, in the previous letter he wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote to them and he said, when I first came to you, I didn't come with my human eloquence or my wisdom. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. So from the beginning to the end of his ministry, Paul knew that he was weak. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And so for us, do you ever feel weak? You know, maybe for some it's too young or too old or too insecure or the wrong background or you've got the wrong personality to, to be used in, in the things of the supernatural. Well, for those of us that haven't written 23% of the New Testament, that's none of us. That's all of us, sorry. This is incredibly reassuring. It's okay to, to feel weak because Paul, he, he proclaimed Jesus' death and resurrection and he just relied on the Spirit. God's power, it's a gift. It's about him. It's his credentials not ours. His grace, it meets us where we're at 
and it's sufficient. It's his power in our weakness. Over the summer, I spent uh, quite a bit of time at Soul Survivor talking um, a little bit about our youth festival, Dreaming the Impossible, but also trying to learn everything we possibly could. And um, anyway, one evening, we, um, we got back to where we were staying, which was this Premier Inn. Sorry, it wasn't a tent. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> but on this particular occasion, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And I'd already been um, with Trent to Naturally Supernatural. Then I'd been down in Norwich uh, to another youth camp. I'd done a full day's work here. I'd driven across to Stafford, got stuck in traffic along the way, sat in a meeting with 10,000 teenagers, talk, 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 talk. And I walked through the hotel, into the hotel lobby, and I just thought, oh, thank goodness I can go to bed. When, when Zeke, my mate, said, oh, we need to get um, my talk kind of from the laptop onto the iPad for tomorrow. And uh, I was like, oh, I just want to go to bed. Anyway, so we sat in there trying to sort it out, faffing around with it, when um, it was taking forever. So I started talking to the, the hotel receptionist, mainly because I wanted an upgrade from the basic Wi-Fi to the fast Wi-Fi, because I thought, at least then we can all go to bed. But as I started chatting to her, as we started chatting, she started rubbing her eye, and um, she was rubbing it, and I noticed it, and I thought, do I say something or don't I? And then one of us, we just found ourselves saying, what's wrong with your eye? And as she says, um, it's blurry, it's itchy, it's driving me crazy. It's really sore, there's like little patches on it. And uh, I thought, oh no. Now we've like, now we've asked what's wrong with it. We're going to have to like do something about it. So um, as I said, I was exhausted, I wanted to be in bed. And um, so, so what happened was I thought, in my head I thought, either I believe this stuff or I don't. Either it's true or it's not. Either I want to embrace these opportunities or I don't. So I just said to her, hey, has anyone ever prayed for you? And this was a great answer. She said, um, she said no, but I wish they would. <laughs> and I thought, brilliant, yes. So um, I said, okay, we don't need to be weird about it. A couple of options. We're going to pray for you. One, you can stare me out if you want to. I'm going to pray with my eyes open. You can just stare me back. Or secondly, if you want to, you can close your eyes. Not because it's magic, but just because uh, sometimes it's less distracting to do that. So I said, right, we're going to pray for you. And it was simple prayers. I just spoke to the eye. I said, um, Holy Spirit, send your power. We just speak to this eye in the name of Jesus. Be healed. And, uh, and then continued to pray for her. And as we prayed for her, she, first of all, she was staring me out. She closed her eyes. She just started to receive the presence of God. And um, it wasn't a long moment. Nothing really dramatic happened. 30, 30 seconds to a minute, perhaps. And then I just said, how's your eye? And, uh, and she looked at me and she said, I'm not even being funny. But as soon as you started talking about God, something started to happen in this eye. And as you've prayed, all the itching's gone, the blurriness has gone, and I'm kind of healed. And uh, it was an amazing, amazing moment. And I got to say to her, this is a little demonstration of the kindness of God, that he loves you, that he wants a relationship with you. And he's the real deal. He is real. And I love that story because I was tired, I felt weak. But it was never about me. It was his credentials, not my credentials. His power is in his presence. His power is made perfect in our weakness. And it's an all-play situation because everybody gets to play. And Paul, he, he understood this in a special way. He wasn't like a solo act or a one-man band. He was constantly doing the stuff with others, traveling somewhere with somebody, whether it was Barnabas or Silas or Timothy or he used Priscilla and Aquila. He sends Phoebe to deliver a letter to Rome. He was constantly raising up new leaders, and the church he planted, he passed on to others. 
There's no way he would have been able to be, have such an amazing ministry if he hadn't used other people or got through his time in prison. Everybody really does get to play. And um, you know what? I used to stand, I used to look at this stage and think, wow, the people who stand on this stage, they are like the holy and anointed ones. They're the ones who, they pray for people and they have these amazing stories where everybody gets healed. Or they have prophetic words and they're always spot on. When they stand, when they walk onto the stage, they're filled with this boldness and courage and they just want to go for it. And I genuinely used to think that, that God would want to use them. That he was, they were the ones that he wanted to use. And then something happened. I started standing on this stage. You know, with my brokenness and my weakness, at times with my lack of faith and courage, but yet somehow God has used me. Because there really aren't any special people. Everybody gets to play. One of the most profound physical healings I've ever seen was a, was a young man who got healed of a lifelong dairy allergy at DTI. And, uh, and, the th- and I'd known him for most of his life. And the thing that struck me about it was that the person that prayed for him wasn't one of the speakers, wasn't even a youth leader. It was a young boy who had complex special needs, additional needs. He had such a simple understanding of Jesus, and yet Jesus used him to heal this boy. Everybody gets to play. Not every person we pray for is going to get healed. Not every time we have a prophetic word is it going to be spot on. Not every person we tell about Jesus will meet him. But the more we step out, the more we go for it, the more risks we take, the more we're going to see. So I want to ask you this. We're going to finish in 3 minutes 53. <laughs> That's a joke. Well, maybe it's not. Anyway, <laughs> what does it look like for you in your sphere of influence this week? What would a risk look like? To be naturally supernatural, you've got to remember this. The powers in his presence is about sticking close to Jesus. His powers made perfect in our weakness. It's his credentials. It's not ours. And everybody gets to play. It's an all-play situation. And you can probably tell that I'm passionate about this. It's been stirring in my heart over the last few weeks and months, stirring by, by, uh, by reading that verse, as I said, in Ephesians. But stirred by hearing God's stories here and elsewhere. And you know what? For me, I love, I love reading stories. I love to, to read this book and think, wow, Jesus took a small boy and fed thousands. Jesus heals a a paralyzed man. He set people free. And then I love hearing stories of the early church and particularly the early um, early day stories of the vineyard church and the church here because they're our history and they help to build faith. And so we'll always keep sharing those stories. But we can't settle for the stories of the past. We can't settle for yesterday's healings or encounters or salvations or prophetic words because it's clear from the book that there's more. That there's more for me, that there's more for us. And there's certainly more for the broken world out there. A broken world hurting in need of a saviour. We have the power inside of us. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave to say to a world, hey, I know someone. 
I know someone who can bring restoration from brokenness, who can bring healing from hurting, who can set you free from that addiction, who can offer you life, not just for now, but forever. We have a full measure of the Spirit. It's not like Jesus said, hey, I'll give you a little bit and I'll take the rest. He said, the same power, the same power, it's a full measure. We are called and commissioned to be a naturally supernatural church. And my prayer for me, my prayer for us, is that we'd go for it. Is that we'd go for it individually and we'd go for it together so that we might see people experience the heart of the Father. If you're able, why don't we stand?